The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Hello, welcome. Hi, now recording? Check, <laughs> yeah. check, check, one, two, one, two. Yeah, hey, we're now Hi, recording. Hi, Craig. <laughs> Howdy, Craig. We're just going to keep doing this every time, so it's fine. Yep. Uh, just like hello. it's still 2020, right? <laughs> it is still 2020. I'm sorry. <laughs> hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Astrolab, the only podcast internet everyone seems to want to ban, and, well, uh, we get a monkey ban, I guess. I, I don't know. Did it? I don't know. But, um, hey, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Dyer. With me always is Scott Campbell. How you doing tonight, Scott? Uh, pretty good. Uh, just, I mean, the work's been frustrating, but, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just watched episode six of the Book of Boba Fett, um, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And those who are upset about some of the directions that have been taken in episodes five or six, uh, specifically... Um, I understand, but this is part of world building that the crew does so well. That's why the shows they've worked on previously were are so beloved. So I, I get it. I understand, but you know things are going to come to a head. We're we're going to see it. Um, there, I guess, are some other concerns about just how the main character is portrayed, and I'm like, eh, whatever, just mute those people yeah. on Twitter. Um, the, the show's enjoyable, and uh, it's how do I? Say? It's making me fall in love with Star Wars again. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So like, far. like after seven, eight, and nine, especially after nine, it's like ugh, finally it's over. Like, yeah, you know, there, there was that moment where it's like ugh, I can move on to another IP now. Thank you. And then this stuff comes out the first two seasons of Mandalorian, and now this. And it's like, man, I want more of this. I, yeah. Sure, these episodes are only, what, 45 minutes long, hour long, whatever. I want more of this. When it was done, I'm like, man, I can't wait till next Wednesday. And, yeah. and it's been like that for every, whether it's Mandalorian, whether it's Book of Boba Fett, every time an episode's done, I'm like, I can't wait. At the end of season two of Mandalorian, I'm like, ah, oh, I want more. I can't wait. Yeah, right? this, is, this has been really good. Uh, this like the end of episode the end of season two of Mandalorian got teary eyed this episode came pretty close yeah it was pretty good yeah yeah but anyway yeah um yeah uh outside of that just kind of eh uh (laughs) hunkering down for this alleged winter storm that's coming yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. But how are you? When, what's going on in, on your side of things? Uh, we're not doing too bad. Uh, it's been kind of just a week. Um, my wife and I went and saw Hamilton last night. So Oh, how was it? Sh- 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 it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, we have fairly nosebleed seats. Uh, we're in the upper balcony for our seats. So uh, it was it was okay. It was It was not too bad. 
but uh, no, the show's show's amazing. Uh, it was really well done. Uh, we had a really nice cast for it. Um, the guy that plays King George was just absolutely like spot on the entire time, uh, and just absolutely fantastic. So uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, like obviously not the original cast, right? No, no, no. This is their touring cast, and actually a couple of them were like their understudies and stuff. Because oh, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty neat to see. Uh, but yeah, they did a really good job. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to have to admit. Uh, so. Uh, our major topics today are going to be mainly what I, I, I kind of buried the lead a little bit. I'm I'm sorry. Who day? <laughs> I was waiting the for it. Bengals are going to the Super Bowl, dude. Yeah, I know. Like this is so hype. It's crazy. Like yeah. So for those that don't know, I'm not sure how you didn't. If you didn't listen to the last episode, whatever. It's been thirty. Three years, yeah, 33 years since the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. It was uh, 1989 when they last went to the Super Bowl and lost for the second time to Joe Montana. Obviously, Joe Montana is long gone now. Not even, probably can't even pick up a football. He's so old. So, they're playing the Los Angeles Rams, which I believe last time they were in the Super Bowl, the Rams were in Los Angeles because they were in St. Louis or whatever. Anyway, uh, they used to be the Cleveland Rams back in the day, which... Oddly enough, the Rams started as an organization in Cleveland. The Bengals came about because Paul Brown, the first coach of the Browns, was fired, so he went to Cincinnati to make a team. So it's kind of like two kind of Cleveland franchises against each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird that way, right? Um, but no, it, it's crazy that you know you look at things thirty years ago. Like Wizards of the Coast was not even a thing; it didn't have right. existence until nineteen ninety. Um, you know, the, it's, it's not even an us against the world mentality with this team. Like normally with a Cincinnati sports team, college or pro is us against the world. Got a chip on our shoulder. This seems like, no, we're good. People just aren't paying attention. They're not seeing it or whatever. There's so much hype that you can't get Bengals merchandise anywhere. Yeah, I know. (laughs) <laughs> cheap, uh, like cheap knockoff, or just like their logo, or whatever. Yeah. Um, the Cincinnati public schools are closed on the day after the Super Bowl. <laughs> give everybody time to watch the game and not have to worry about uh, going to school the next day. Um, the city council is arguing whether to have a watch party at Paul Brown Stadium. And I will, <laughs> I will give the owner of the Bengals this: like, no. Normally, people dig on sports centers like, oh, they're greedy SOBs, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, he could have easily said, yep, open the gates. We're going to take all your money and take money away from the local bars and businesses. He's like, now we we don't know how many people we're going to need, like how many to have on staff and all these other, like, actual important logistic things. And he's saying that publicly. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's saying words and incomplete sentences, and it's intelligent, and it's smart, and it's correct. <laughs> what is happening? I just, I, I still can't believe it, dude. Like, Yeah, I've, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I've annoyed so. my wife with the fight song. Um, I, I, I've, I've cried a little bit. Um, man. And let me also set the record straight for uh, people out there on Twitter. 
I'm a 90% baseball fan, 10% all other sports. And most of that 10% is football. So I've tried watching other sports and I just, uh, like I've tried watching hockey and I'm like, okay. Like I just, I can't get into it, right? So I don't quote unquote hate the NFL. I hate the fact that when the NFL isn't even playing, people are talking about the NFL or just football in general. You know, a hockey player can get a hat trick, an NBA player can score 100 points, uh, and three starting pitchers could have 27 pitch complete games in baseball all in the same day, but an NFL player farts. That's the story that's being led with in sports media. That's the problem I have. And, and the fact that sports fans in general run with that story as well and talk about it and everything. It's like, no, no one's playing in the NFL. All these other athletes are doing amazing things. You say you're a sports fan, but you don't acknowledge that stuff. I understand if you're coming out saying, I only watch football, and you ignore the other sports. Whatever. We know that's not the case. So, like, everybody should have their time in the sun, just like with Magic. You know, there's different formats that people play. You know, if commanders like the focus for, say, an article or whatever, don't come chiming in, what about modern? Talk about legacy and what, you know, talk about that format. Then when the other format you want to talk about has a moment in the sun, you talk about that and enjoy that content and all that. Like, that, that's the problem I have. So it's not that I hate football, although I'm still not happy that a lot of sports media journalist types, especially certain someone that's been there for a long time down in Cincinnati, couldn't even acknowledge that Donald Trump was part of the problem that people are hating on Colin Kaepernick. But that's a whole nother topic. I say, let's not go there. Yeah, let, let's talk about things that Scott's really confused on because there's been a shit ton of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty and I, like... Yeah. What, what's, um, a, what's a weeb? Like, I'm so uh, lost, dude. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Big Bruno, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Kamigo and Neon Dynasty. But uh, yeah. I also want to uh, mention uh, from this past weekend, uh, we had Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy yeah. in uh, Columbus, Ohio at Comic Town. Uh, it was streamed. Uh, the stream was excellent. Uh, so uh, it had great commentary from uh, Nathaniel Snyder and Minhajul Hawk on air. And it was absolutely fantastic commentary. Uh, it looked like it was absolutely quality uh, streaming, like as far as like video quality is concerned. Nice. Uh, so like it was it was worth it to watch it, and it was really good. Um, I went and I played. Um, I couldn't decide what I was going to play, uh, and then like the week of after the ban, I was talking to Nathaniel, and he was like, "Hey, you should play Madness. Like he, you should play Lizards." And I was like, "Okay." He gave me a list, and uh, the list that I played had didn't have Burning Inquiry in it. Uh, instead, it played some uh, a couple blue duels, and basically, it played like two of each duel that it wanted to play. It played two Badlands, two Taiga, two Volko, two, two Volks, mm -hmm. and you played Careful Study in addition to Faithless Looting. So you had four four Faithless Looting and four Careful Study. Um, and I gotta say, um, even my record, I went 3-3. Three, three. Uh, even with my record at that, I felt really happy with the list in terms of the main deck part of the list. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing about this is, like, so, like, big part of the setup is you have those eight looting effects, but you also have four Street Wraith. Mm -hmm. 
So your uh, hollow ones are like a much more castable than having burning inquiry. Oh yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they're so they're so live. I I I literally had a game against uh, Doomsday. My my game one against one of the the I played against Doomsday, and my game one was uh like uh, once upon a time into a second hollow one, uh careful study, uh pitch of Vengevine, um cycle street wraith double hollow one Vengevine, and that was my turn one, and they were just like uh, <laughs> and I'm like attack for four. Next turn, at- attack for twelve, like, right. and and they were just like, I cannot beat this, like, at all. It's breakfast like, time. I got yeah. two scoops. Yeah, it was it was gross. So, um, I actually won that match, which was weird because that's like wow. not a really like good like matchup like at all because like those fast combo decks are just like really difficult. And I wasn't playing any mind break traps in my sideboard because I didn't think I would run across anything I needed. And mind break trap is arguably not very good against. Doomsday, anyways. Sure, uh, I mean yeah. they can probably help against other combo matchups. I think. Yeah, but I I didn't play against any combo matchups where I would want my break trap. Uh, uh, the matchups I lost, the so I beat. Um, what else did I beat? How many rounds was the Swiss? It was, it was six rounds. Oh, so you stayed for the whole thing? Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was six rounds. Well, I was like two two in like round four or around going into round five. So I thought maybe I could squeak it into 4-2. Uh, didn't work out that way. Uh, I played against the most unwinnable matchup on the planet in round 5. Um, so I beat I beat a Lurin. I beat this like kind of like un- wild like veteran explorer like Yorion um, like Nick Fitty style Lurin deck. Hmm. Uh, which like they weren't playing Force of Will. So uh, I'm just like okay well uh, I play all these these creatures and I kill you before your Lurin actually gets into play. Do anything. I, they did get me in game two, uh, but game three I just had like the literal like hit the gas, go. Um, I beat Doomsday and I beat Infect, uh, which Infect is literally just they're another aggro deck. So you just play around days and uh, just race them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I lost game one. And I won game two and three, because um, fire firestorm is nuts in that matchup. <laughs> so good, wow, so good. Um, I lost to eight cast, uh, which is like the most unwinnable matchups on the planet. Uh, you are probably not winning game one, and that's like part of the thing about this deck is you want to you want to win game one. Uh, you know, because game one is like your best game. Like you're you you lay down the nut hand, you get going, you hit the pedal to the metal, and you you aggro them out and beat them. Right. You cannot do that against a cast, like at all. Uh, and the reason is is because of Urza Saga. Uh, you just cannot beat that card once it's online. And if once they get some constructs, you're you're done. Like yeah, but I mean, if you go. If you can get a all your one, all your stuff is all their stuff is gigantic, or it blocks really well. So you're saying or, they have dudes on the board before you can get a they can one they can now you can you they help they you could probably try and do it. Okay. You you have to have like you have to have like the most incredibly busted hand possible, oh, which sure. is not always going to happen. And so what ended up happening to me in game one is my I I had a I got some creatures in play to start attacking 
and they made a construct with a shadow spear. And then at that point I was losing. Like I was not winning. I was not swinging through the construct at all and swinging through the construct gained them life. So it was just like, all right, well, crap. And then like post-board, you have to have like your ancient grudges and your meltdowns. And all they have to have is, is a piece of counter magic for that. Yeah. And if, if they counter it, you lose. Like <laughs> blue is like that deck secondary color. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like, all right, well, cool. Like, uh, yeah, it's eight cast. Like I was talking to Nathan Nathaniel about it and he was just like, yeah, that matchup stinks. Like it's literally the worst matchup uh, that you could ever come across because they have stuff like Psy and Thopters and Emery and like all these other cards and Thought Monitor and, you know, and then they get Saga in play and you're just like, it's over at that point. Like you're just so done. Um, I lost a Bant Control, and that was just a weird, uh, like, I just had a kind of a crappy Game 3 against them, uh, which was kind of just awful. Like, I lost Game 1, I won Game 2, I got to, I won Game 1 through <clears throat> casting, they flashed in an Endurance to block a Rootwalla, I pumped the Rootwalla, and then pitched three cards to uh, a Firestorm by targeting their endurance, them, them, and my hollow one to get make three targets with Firestorm. And uh, so I was able to blow up their their endurance uh, and make it trade with the, the Rootwalla. Uh, and that won me the game because it pushed through the extra damage I needed to have them dead to rights the next turn. Because uh, there was basically, they were like, they have to like rip something that absolutely wins them a game right on the spot on that turn or they were dead because they were like one life <laughs> so it was like okay cool um i lost to um colorless 12 post uh and the reason i lost to this deck is because it was a colorless 12 post deck that played leyline of the void main deck Yikes. uh because they played helm of obedience and i got helmed both games it was well, just it I was mean, there's it at was... least a valid reason for them playing that main deck then, I guess. yeah yeah they were playing helm of obedience uh, and Leyline of the Void main deck, and it was just literally just, hey, by the way, here's a, a card that you can't beat uh, in the amount of time that you have to do things. And I just incidentally shut off one of your best game one uh, plays. Right. Like, yeah, they shutting off your game one Venge Vines is, like, the worst. Post-board, it doesn't matter because, like, you can usually play around it. Wait, what else were they playing in the deck, though, besides that? It was, it was the cloud. It was, like, colorless cloud post. It was it was just cloud post and it was like Eldrazi and all that other stuff, but they just leaned hard on having a main deck lay, having having a a opening hand ley line and helming in both games. A card they probably normally can't cast in that deck, right? Yeah, because it's but it's main deck because they have helm. Yeah, but they have, I think they run Urborg at least, so they could probably cast it. Like I'm pretty sure they oh, ran her. I'm pretty sure they ran Herberg. Let me look here. They had her list on there. Where is it? Castler. At least I thought. I thought they placed higher than I did. Yeah, they were. No, no, it was no, it was Noel Castler. That's right. Let's see here. Uh, all these lists are on Goldfish. So, uh, yeah, no, they don't have any. Um, Urborg, but they have Bajukabog. They have Cascading Cataracts, so they were playing Golos. Oh, so okay, they could so yeah. they could 
they could make mana with Cascading Cataracts. Yeah. Uh, they were playing for Karn, which is bleh, Ugin, like Helm, like yeah. It was just it was just a game where you're just like okay this. This, this I, I was talking again. It was, it was a conversation with Nathaniel. He was just like, "Wow, that's a really awful deck to come across." <laughs> so yeah. So if I had had a little bit better matchup lottery, I might have been a little bit better. But um, I might have been able to squeak out four two. As it stands, I ended up in thirty first out of sixty four players. So I'm not really too upset about that. Right. Um, the event did pay out to top sixteen. Because uh, they, they added uh, some prizes for top 16. Uh, 9th through 16th got uh, an Ancient Tomb. Uh, so that was kind of nice. So um, our mutual friend, uh, Steve Sizemore, uh, uh, placed uh, 13th. Wow. So, so Yeah, so good for him. Um, there were some bangers, though, in the the top eight and some bangers all, all across this event. Uh, Brian Koval showed up again. Uh, so it was good to see Brian, uh, Roland Chang came out, uh, for it. So it was nice to see him. He ended up in top eight. Uh, Carl Schultz came out with Brian. Uh, and so like he ended up in top four. Uh, he was playing food chain, uh, which was kind of cool to see. Uh, and then, um, uh, my good buddy David ended up in 10th and 10th, uh, which was, uh, uh, Good to see. I would like to see. I would love to see him win one just once. Uh, he definitely deserves it. Uh, good dude. Uh, probably one of the best death and taxes players I know. Um, I was watching. He played against uh, Rob Wilson. There, you can probably find it in the footage. He played against Rob Wilson on camera. When uh, Rob was playing Jeskai Delver, he so he was playing the Delver the Delver variant with like prismatic ending and like swords of plushers. And just David wins a game, wins the match on a mold of five against a Delver hand that kept seven. And it was just literally just one of the best games I've ever watched of Death and Taxes versus Delver. It was just absolutely masterfully played from start to finish. Uh, And it was just like, you were like, wow. You sit there and watch this game. You're just like, wow! Like now, I can. Are we talking Yorion Death and Taxes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Yorion. Yep, yep. And the best part about this whole game is, if there was an advantage bar in this game, watching this game, it would be over here, and then it'd be over here, 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 and then it swung back over here, and then it swung all the way back over to David's side. So freaking hard. That there was nothing Rob could do. It was so amazing watching it. It was just crazy. Uh, but uh, it was it was good. It was it was a good. Um, the event was won by a painter. Uh, what we called Gruel Painter because he was playing for Once Upon a Time. Uh, in the deck. Right. So, uh, and that was Roger Sykes, a good buddy of mine, up there. So very solid painter player. Uh, but his list looked looked really good, like magmatic channeler. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that card looks really good once you actually see it get played in that sh- that shell. When you consider that it can um, pitch like a sundering titan to the graveyard for you to weld, 
uh, and stuff. Uh, for those that know, it's a, it's a one and a red. It's a one three. It has uh, as long as there are four or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard, it gets plus three plus one. Uh, but you tap, discard a card. You exile the top two cards of your library. You choose one of them. You can play that card this turn. Mm-hmm. So like you can just like use it as a pitch. Zendikar Rising. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Z- ZNR. Yeah, you can just use it to like pitch artifacts to the graveyard that you want to weld. Uh, so that's Jeez. pretty good. Like you're like, oh, put a Sundering Titan in my graveyard, weld in a Sundering Titan. Uh, I watched him hard cast a Sundering Titan with a um, with a Blood Moon in play. Uh, or no, he had a Magus of the Moon in play. He hard cast a sun- Sundering Titan against a. There was somebody there that was playing Naya Landfall. Uh, I don't know if you have you ever seen this deck. Naya and Legacy. Naya Landfall. No, I this, think I have seen this it. deck. It's is, wild. This deck is. Let me see if I can find it. Here. Is it in one of your articles? It's they published all he published all the lists. Oh, are on, on uh, Goldfish. Okay, so okay, so this deck starts with one Dryad Arbor. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it's Legacy. Why not? Right? Okay. For for Akum Hellhound. Four Step Links. Four Ni- Wild Nacatl. Four Brushfire Elemental. Those are the creatures. Those are just the creatures. It has four Berserk. <laughs> four Crop Rotation. Four Scale Up. And a Tarka's Command and a Once Upon a Time. And four Once Upon a Time. It has four copies of Skyclave Pickaxe. <laughs> Do you know what Skyclave Pickaxe does? <laughs> no, I'm actually trying to find this deck. It was what, in. What? It was under. It's under four color loam in sixty second. They didn't do very well. Uh, wow. Okay. Okay. So Skyclave Pickaxe. It's a green for equipment. When it enters the battlefield, you attach it to a creature you control. Okay. And it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, a quick creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So what you could do is you could go turn one Akum Hellhound, turn two um, play a fetch trigger Akum Hellhound. Uh, actually, no, no. You play turn one. You play turn one Akum Hellhound. You go turn two Skyclave Pickaxe, equip mm-hmm. it to Akum Hellhound, play a fetch. It gets plus four plus four. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's got the free equip when it comes yeah, from the play. Yeah, you play you play a fetch. It gets plus four plus four. You fetch, it gets another plus four, plus four. That's plus eight, plus eight right there. You crop rotation into a fetch, get another plus four, plus four. Fetch, get another plus four, plus four, berserk. And just kill them turn two. (laughs) Most of this you can do at instant speed. You can play play your pickaxe, play your fetch, give it plus four, four, go to attack, see what they do, if they have an answer for it, and then just start doing your thing. And you can kill them turn two with this with this deck. It's so cool to watch. It's so funny. Uh, yeah. You, Sir, you, well, you could crop rotation into a Sariji step. Okay. You could. You could. You could crop rotation yeah. into, a, into a Sajiri step. Uh, yeah, but, Sajiri step. yeah, you, are, you more than likely want to crop rotation into another fetch so you can make it bigger. Well, no, I'm just yeah. saying, let's see what they do if they, uh, they right. source it or whatever. Try to, yeah, try to plow it. You can, yeah. So that it's 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 certainly a super unique it's wild. deck. Yeah. Or or if you really want to, if you have more than one crop rotation to play, you could also just like uh crop rotate, crop rotate, crop rotate. Like you if you can cast multiple crop rotates and then in response to like a plow, 
and then Sajiri step, so that it's big enough that it probably puts a dent in them, uh, like a big dent. So yeah, uh, scale so, up too, scale up. Yeah, like giving a giving turning it into like a six four, then it has the light the landfall ability on top of that. So I'm looking at this deck list right in paper, assuming uh, the cards listed on Wolfish, like because some of them have like different artwork or whatever, right? The cost of the deck in paper, $2,761 even, like, which is kind of odd to see a deck list and have nothing in the sense. Most of them, most of that is in three two, taiga. Two Savannah and three taiga. <laughs> three taiga, yep, yep. However, however, I do have a question. Uh, I know you don't play a lot of modern, but Naya is... Does it, is not represented in mana. We don't see it. Yeah. Is it possible that there may be some cards in this deck, obviously not once upon a time since Bam, um, is it possible we could see some cards from a, a deck constructed like this? I think the problem there... In like a, a, a Modern Horizon set in the future. I think the problem is, is that uh, you don't have Berserk. Yeah, but is that really like Broken and modern? Uh, I don't know. Like, isn't Berserk uh, reserve list? No. This, yeah, is a, yeah. this, this is a reprint. Where oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. It was in Conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, would Berserk be... I Berserk might be a little busted in my... I don't know. That would be interesting. And crop so, rotation. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get crop rotation. I, that would be kind of, kind of... I think that probably kind of pushes it a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I mean, crop rotate your Besaju to go get another mm, land and then pick Besaju uh, back up with Renin Six. Uh, oh. What was what was really great is that there was a there was a Nick Fit player that placed ninth. Uh, like ninth, they did. They were just short of the top eight. They went four two. Uh, uh, they were playing the Golgari combo, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were playing, yeah, Witherbloom Apprentice, uh, and Chain of Smog. Nice. Uh, but they were also playing like Grist and like four Karn the Great Creator. Wow! Like it, it looked like a super cool deck. Like I was like, oh man! Like I'm gonna have to go back and watch these games because it sounds like you had some. He was on camera a couple times, and I'm like, uh, I'll have to go back and watch these games uh, and check these games out. So, well, it wasn't but, that long ago where you you had mentioned that uh, at at least at the moment we were talking about it that Karn the Great Creator was. Uh, the most powerful planeswalker in Legacy. It is. Uh, it's pretty good. It's kind of yeah. fall off a little bit now, but yeah, you know, to, to see this in a deck that's not like your typical Karn, uh, surrounded by artifacts type decks is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it looked like a fun deck. I was, I was pretty happy. But yeah, this this whole uh, this whole event was was great. It was uh, like I said, Rob runs great events. The dip was good. Uh, everybody had a good time. Uh, looks like there was a lot of good, you know, there were a lot of people here that had a great time. Um, you know, like I said, we had a lot of really like high end players show up to play. Yeah. Brian uh, Coble on band control. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He was playing the, um, the version with, uh, 
Life in the Loam, I'm going to say. Like, yeah, he was playing at least one Life in the Loam. And he was playing, uh, it was like the four, it was more like four color. It was like Bant plus black. Because uh, he was playing Baleful Strix and uh, Witherbloom Command. Yeah, like I've been seeing uh, some of his videos that have been uh, playing Witherbloom Command as some form of like, just another tool. Like. I think a card gets a lot better when we, so we're going to talk about obviously one of the cards from Neon Dynasty where that card gets a lot better with that card. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would not expect. I would not be surprised to see more Witherbloom Command in the in the uh, format in the futures here. So, well, but, I'll be honest. You have to tune me in because, man, I like. I remember seeing like a couple cards, and then it feels like three weeks have passed, and I'm like, holy crap! All these cards. I'm yeah. so far behind. Yeah. It. It was good. It was good. Uh, it was good getting to see him though. Uh, I like Brian. He's a really nice guy. Um. And uh, it was good getting to hang out with him for a little bit and chat with him. Shout out to Randy, winner of uh, Buffalo yeah. Team, uh, 6, uh, getting 29th place. Yeah, um, yeah, he uh, he had some day, dude. he had some things go off the rails. Yeah, we 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 had discussions throughout the day, and he he had some off the rails. Uh, they were gunning for him. Like, yeah, oh, God, yeah, gotta beat Lance. yeah. Uh, also, uh, right in that same area. So it's like Randy and I'm in 31st and right in the middle is Joe Palazzo. Uh, well, and even though his deck says four color, it's food chain. Uh, <laughs> um, Joe doesn't play anything else, but food, cha- but food chain. Uh, he Nothing is, all that, I guess, right? he has, he has never played anything else, but food chain. <laughs> uh, I've, I've known him for a long time and he has always played food chain. Uh, I played against him at an SCG event, and he was on Food Chain, and I called it, and I was he was like, I'm like, Cabal Therapy, name Food Chain, and he was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know you too well, Joe, like, you know. Uh, my buddy Raja from the um, Team Serious crew came down, uh, and he went 2-4, but he played uh, Mono Black World Gorger, mm-hmm. uh, which, which looked like a ton of fun. Uh, basically, it was just basically just a reanimator shell with with World Gorger Dragon, uh, so that you could go infinite with World Gorger Dragon, uh, with the kill condition of Piranha Marsh, which is the land that when it enters the battlefield, target player loses a life. So you just cycle your World oh. Gorger, and you just keep they just keep losing. Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I was that, like, wait a minute, huh? Yeah, yeah. That was that was really cool. Uh, to cut to kind of see that that's that's was something that happened. Um, somebody showed up and played curses, like yeah, it's, it, it, it's listed as uh, mono black prison. Yeah, mono black prison. Yeah, but it's not really mono black because there's uh, an o- an overwhelming splendor is the only white card. Yeah, because you're getting it off of um, curse uh, of misfortunes. Curse of curse of misfortunes. Yeah, yeah. No. How, this is a deck that that you look at this deck and you go, okay, wait a minute. This looks sweet. This deck has five one CMC spells in it and four Chalice of the Void. What is going on oh, here? Oh wait, is this Helm of Obedience guy we were talking it, about earlier? No, no, this is a different one. Okay. No, no, that this one generally runs uh, the Helm combo too. It's like, yeah, you have like multiple angles of attack with curses because <laughs> the curse plan by itself is not very good. It's good in a lot of games, but it's not good in every game. So you just have this like toolbox of I have got Karn and I've got you know Urza Saga and I've got Helm and I've got Chalice and I've got all this other stuff I can do. Uh, and 
all this stuff wins me the game. You know, now you have to deal with all of it. And, like, you get, like, Sudden Edict uh, now, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, mauling is also, like, really good. Uh, especially since, like, most of, like, the... You can make it cost three very easily, because a lot of decks don't play basics. Uh, yeah. But it, but it's also a land. Or it's all... Brian Coble. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's also a land. Or yeah. it's a free-pitched Chromox. Yeah. Uh, so like that's pretty good. Uh, what I I thought was really good here was Soren the Murphless, uh, which was kind of neat to see uh, in here, kind of like the uh, Planeswalker Bob effect, mm-hmm. but just Urza Saga like in general. Yeah, and, and Urza I, Saga. Dad. Well, and I I'm less upset about it because like honestly, if it allows some of these non-blue decks to compete, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Like they're they're non-blue decks that can actually do things in this format that are reasonable things to be doing and i think that makes it kind of nice yeah it's a it's a it's it's a it's a card that bolsters not non-blue decks well sure but like as i'm scrolling up and down the list here there is a a fair amount probably an unfair amount of blue decks there's always going to be a blue i mean that's fine that's legacy even i have even i have four blue cards oh yeah but those, those more blue cards are careful study. They're not really blue cards. <laughs> right. Well, hey, are that, speaking, of, speaking of cards to put the modern, that's definitely one to take. Yeah, I, w- I would like that. There was one other Madness player, uh, and they were on a similar build. Uh, they they had um, shaved one of the Once Upon a Times, so they were, the list was on three Once Upon a Times. He shaved mm-hmm. one of the Once Upon a Times and pl- put a Daze in, and I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, like, I thought that was kind of fun. I would try that honestly. Uh, so basically, you know, you're like, oh, I careful study and I've got a daze up just because. Oh, uh, you t- you tried to counter me. I got I got a daze. How many dazes do I have in my deck, man? How many dazes are in my deck? You saw one. How many are there? It's the stifle effect. Right. You know, you see one stifle, you automatically assume that your opponent has four stifles. Well, I kind of uh, play that same trick with uh, Spell Pierce in Historic. Mm, I haven't, well, spell I think I, I, think I had it in my Merfolk deck. I may have taken it out, but like, I'll slow roll it and spell pierce their first non-creature spell, and they play around the whole game, and I'm just swinging the dude. It's so funny. Uh, speaking of spell pierce, spell pierce is getting reprinted, right? And with really good-looking art, I'm probably gonna have to pick up a foil. Uh, I'll admit some of this art has been uh, pretty dope. And uh, yeah. Uh, before we leave Legacy, though, um, well, a couple things. One, I- I'm sorry, Boros combo. No, that's Painter. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure this is probably because they came... just ripped the information from MTG Melee. Yeah, MTG Melee is not very good in that regards. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, it looks like they may have fixed it up over on the side here under metagame summary, where they do have it properly listed as Painter. Yeah. Um. So there's probably that. Um. How do you feel the format is now? We don't have Ragavan. Uh, changes may need to be made. I'm sure you may have written about it, but like, yeah, we're, I we're talking for those who. So obviously, obviously, <laughs> from this weekend, just in general, um, there were three challenge. There were two regular challenges and a and a showcase challenge this weekend, right? And basically, just like the format kind of looks the same for the most part. Like it just kind of as we kind of expected, the the band didn't really move the needle too much mm-hmm. so like the g- 
games, I mean, the format kind of looks the same. Whether that's good or bad is another thing. Like, yeah, we do have, like, the monkey no longer uh, snowballing games and stuff like that. And maybe that makes the play experience a little bit better. But the metagame is still basically the same. Like, the Delver still Delver. Uh, it was never going to go away with just a span. We kind of all knew that. Um, but let me point out one thing here that's just still so hilarious. 200-something player event. What for the showcase challenge? What wins the showcase challenge? Death and taxes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So and not only that, won by one of the other like hive mind, heavily uh, invested death and taxes players, uh, Luinol Jason Murray, uh, who's uh, one of the half of the combo of him and uh, John Ryan Hamilton, uh, who are both like literally some of the best death and taxes players in the world. Uh, and so yeah. He just, he just took it all the way. I'm just like, man, like I'm, I'm impressed. Like I, it always seems to be that when we have one of these events where it is a large premier play event, what ends up winning is death and taxes. It just feels like it happens every time. And I mean, there were 217 players in this event, 217 players. 43 of them were on Delver. On Blue Red Delver. 43. Well, yeah, because Delver's now back in the Delver deck. 20, 20%. 20% of the metagame was Blue Red Delver. 20%. And, and its non-mirror win rate for this event was 57.01%. So yeah, Banning, Banning Ragavan did nothing. Didn't really move the needle. But what yeah. won the event? Death and Taxes. Right, and because I, it because it takes because it's a deck that takes advantage of the fact that when it's properly built mm-hmm. to the metagame, it goes it goes okay. Well, everybody's in Delver. My deck does really good against Delver because I'm playing, and we're going to talk more about Death and Taxes because there's stuff coming for this deck still. Right, um, but like it just seems to be like. These these D and T players that are really good D and T players just have the number on the format in every one of these big events like this, uh, and it's amazing to watch. Like it's just crazy. Plus, the the more the D and T does well, uh, the more elves uh, com- yeah. comes back up. Yeah. So I I would expect to see an uptick in elves. Um, Maybe some black base combo can start coming back. Uh, the only the only black base combo in the format that you're going to see right now is Doomsday. Well, okay, that black base spell based combo. Right, right. Reanimator is still doing quite well. Oh yeah, enough that I it's still a very good deck. I would be absolutely not surprised to see Reanimator continue to do well. It's a pretty good deck. Um, so, cause the deck just got all this cool stuff, like our kind of cruelty and, you know, there's, there's these versions now, the version I was looking, I was potentially going to play that deck for Buffalo chicken dip. And the version I was going to play was the version where it has uh four our kind of cruelty main, uh, like the literally the only re- reanimator targets are four our kind of cruelty, four gristle brand and two grief. Uh, and you don't have, that's, that's just the main deck ones. And of course the sideboard you get. Your sideboard is you where you have your chancellors. Uh, yeah, for, one of the sideboard. Yeah, for the matchups that you actually need those, and then like you also have Iona in the sideboard, 
but like this deck is also playing like prismatic ending and like serenity so you know you're just like okay well i can lean on those cards to like win games but like if i can you're like if i can put an archon into play like as opposed to a gristle brand sometimes like sometimes that just actually wins the game more uh simply serenity because of graveyard hate like those are those are matchups that you board out. You're like you're like oh your opponent plays leyline in oh, the void. I was thinking of the card where it says uh, you can't get counters. So, oh no no solemnity no serenity is is one yeah, of the yeah. white for uh, during your uh, at the beginning of your upkeep uh, you destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Yeah uh, yeah uh, cards are really was, good. Weatherlight done by uh, Cliff Nielsen, uh, Teresa's fallen husband. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. Uh, Pretty cool list, like four unmasked, two grief. Like I was thinking about playing that one, but and I, then I've seen some lists where they play like one archon main and they play a Sarah's emissary main, yeah, uh, which that card's really good. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, you you got to call the right thing though with Sarah's emissary because most of the it, time creature. Yeah, most of the some, time, most of the time there are, there are so many decks in in Legacy where you put that card in play, you name creature, and they just can't win. Oh, and, and legacy, sure. But, yeah, you know, like, like because it, it's it's playable in historic. Like you reason. put that you put that card into play versus uh, like <clears throat> blue red delver, and you name creature, they probably can't kill it. Mm-hmm. Like probably not. Like and then they then they can't beat you. Like they can't even like swing into you and kill you uh, at that point. Like and then you just like play archon of cruelty and just wreck their life. Like this card is so good. So. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty because uh, there's so much, Kamigawa, who's it so like? much coming out of the set. Right. I have, I have heard jokes about this set being affectionately referred to as Modern Horizons Three because it Jesus. literally feels like that. There is so much coming, and I think we just have to start with the big hitter, uh, the biggest hitter in the set. And I I think this is the. Type these in because, like I said, I am so far behind. Oh, that one I already know. You yeah, know? this card, this card, <laughs> this card is probably the best card in the entire set. Um, I, I'm gonna say right now, this is the best card in the entire set. This is the card that is going to have far-reaching implications across every format it touches. It's not only the best card in the set, but I have a feeling that maybe in early design they realized how strong it was and the other ones are purposely weak because of it i have no idea the other ones are the other ones are probably standard playable i have no idea how this Um, one made it through design i really don't i uh, I really don't uh, i don't either there are people calling uh for another card this is going to go well with to be banned and i i just laugh at them because that that's not how that's going to work especially um when you look at the product lineup for this year, that that's not going to happen. So, yeah. So, yeah, okay. Let, let, so let's, let's, rip, let's, let's talk. So we're going to talk about Beseju who endures. Uh, and this is a legendary land. It is a untapped green source. So Un- let's let, untapped legendary land. Untapped. Untapped. Right? Yep. Yep. It has channel uh, for one and a green discard <clears throat> Beseju who endures destroy target and artifact enchantment or non-basic land and opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. What is this card? This card hits so many things. And it does it at a at a 
and a function that is generally uncounterable mm-hmm. for the most part. Like, yeah, we know Stifle exists, and we know Trickbind exists, and we know there's, there's cards that can counter these abilities, but for the most part, this is uncounterable. Yeah. It hits artifacts, it hits enchantments, it hits non-basic lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can... Now, granted, they get something out of this. They're, they're, it doesn't matter... What they're searching, as long as it has a basic land type, they're getting something unless, out unless of it. Unless you're playing Tron, then, then no, it probably doesn't get anything out of that. It gets, gets a forest, probably, right? If they're playing Mono Green uh, Tron? Uh, yeah, sure. They get, they get a forest. <laughs> but, like, them getting a forest is like, okay, sure, like, whatever, you got a forest, you don't have Tron. That's the... Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the biggest thing about this is, like, it hits artifacts and it hits enchantments. So this is a card that hits things like Trinosphere. It hits uh, Chalice of the Void. It hits Back to Basics. It hits blood. It hits blood moon. Like it hits all these cards, and gets past all these restrictions of those cards. Like it hits Trinisphere, and you can pay two. Or mm-hmm. if you have a legendary permanent in play, a legendary creature in play, it hit. It costs one green. Uh, like pretty ridiculous. Um, this card is probably going to get everybody in, in vintage right now who plays Sphinx of the Steel Wind to go back to Blight Steel Colossus as the primary tinker target because this kills Sphinx of the Steel Wind. For two green. Or, in yep. that format, Ragavan is still legal, and it sees play. Uh, you cost one green with a Ragavan. Like, eh, okay. So, yes, this card, any deck that plays Life from the Loam, um, we talked about Witherbloom Command. Witherbloom Command, pretty good with this card. Uh, oh, because it returns a land from your graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. So anything, anything, anything that works with, with returning lands, life from loam, uh, you know, whatnot, this card is going to be very good with. And the best part about this card is if the card is dead in a matchup, just genuinely dead, it's an untapped green source. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, so, um, yeah, you mentioned Ragavan. Uh, Ragavan is legal and modern. Uh, can you name for me a deck that? runs red and green and perhaps maybe another color that this would go into. Um, Ren and six. Uh, yeah. Jund. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, probably which, run, which, yeah which runs Ren and six. Ren so and it's six, like, yeah. Oh, cool. I pulled the Seiju. Oh man. It's in my opening hand. I'll just play it as my green source for the turn. Go. Huh? Oh wait. Or no. Hold on. I'll tap it to play Elvish Reclaimer. Yeah. And yeah. then Elvish you know, Reclaimer. Then like the next turn, oh man, I didn't pull a land. Hold on, I'll float a green, sack it with Elvish Reclaimer. Uh, you need two mana. Yeah. Alright, well whatever. Yeah. But still, with Elvish Reclaimer, Renin Six, and Ragavan and Jund, like you have a repeatable for one green destroy one of three permanents. Yeah. And sure, your opponent can go get their Hallowed Fountain or Duel or whatever, right? Uh, eventually, they're going to run out of lands to go get. Anyway, but yeah, so people are calling for Ren 6 to be banned. And I'm like, you're high? Uh, because the the double-double, well, the double-double Masters Masters or Double Masters 2 set that we know is coming out this year we know is going to have uh, Aminatu and Renin 6. We know from Aaron Forsyth that it's going to be a multicolored focused draft environment 
you've seen the artwork for those two when they were talking about Double Masters. They did not say slash confirm 100%, but like we can allude that Ren and Six is going to be, it's been a popular Planeswalker since Modern Horizons. It's due for a reprint because it's triple digits and probably going to be pushed higher now that Beseju's out. And sure, it's been on, quote, the list, but that's not a whole reprint thing. Yeah, I mean, so my, my, my point there is, is I don't... I don't know that this gets Ren and Six banned. I think this gets this banned. More than likely. A lot of their MO for things have been banning the the busted payoff card as instead of banning the enabler well, it, as of late. If it's in standard, yes. It like Yeah, but I mean they they've done that in the past too with other formats. So well, I don't know. If this is so good and modern that it's like really busted, they probably just ban well, this. Well if that's the case, then why did uh, Urza Lord High Artificer survive in Mox Opal campaign. Because Mox Opal wasn't payoff. Urza was. Mox, Mox Opal also, I think, is like one of those things where like they kind of violates one of the tenets that they've been trying to mm. cut back on in modern, which is fast mana. I, I get that point, that, but it's like they... they I, I'm, used, kinda, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not upset that that card's I, gone. I understand, mm-hmm. but it's like they used Urza as an excuse to get rid of something that they wanted to eventually get rid of. But like, I, I don't see them banning the payoff cards, at least in recent years, unless it's from a standard set. If it's from a standard set impacting other formats, yes, that I, I will agree with you on. Uh, I mean they banned I mean they banned Underworld Breach and that was right. like in Legacy and that was yep. like the payoff yes. card. They didn't ban the enabler, which was Lines I Diamond. Correct. So I, I think that I think that if anything does really go wrong with this card, I think they'll ban they'll just ban yeah. this. Like it, um, it would it would just be but it's awful to think that because like a card is really cool. Yeah, like, like uh, well, but for, for those who have played long, really powerful. Because I I had a break between Odyssey and Time Spiral, so when I came back, Kamigawa block was already gone, so I didn't experience any of it really. Just kind of heard about secondhand saw cards, whatever. Uh, Channel is an ability or a mechanic from Saviors of Kamigawa, and the original Kamigawa sets were not beloved until like within the last five to ten years or so when Commander started getting really popular and people were exploring some of the older cards that were not being played in older formats. Um, So seeing a mechanic from a series of sets that were not uh, that did not perform well financially for Wizards, seeing it come back into this current era of design, that's interesting. I want to see what happens with this. Um, yeah, sure, is my uh, Celestial Colony going to get blowed up? Sure, am I going to blow up someone's Blood Moon? You betcha. Like, the, the, inter- the that- interaction this card creates in games, that's the exciting part for me. Yeah, I, I do think that uh, it probably should have been costed a little higher, though. Yeah, because all the other ones would be like three and a card. <laughs> However, I will say this. Um, the not, the other one we we do have to talk about is the blue one, and that one is, even though it's three and a blue, to activate it's still pretty good. That's the next um, one on the list. Yeah, Otawara um, Soaring City. Uh, so that one has that one's again same concept. It's a untapped blue source, uh, but it has channel with a three and a blue discard. Uh, you return target artifact creature enchantment or planeswalker to its owner's hand. Where this ability costs one less for each to activate for each legendary creature you control, 
this thing is really good still. Uh, it it bounces to fairy. Uh, for three and a blue, which is not bad. It's around um, the Teferi Time Raveler issue of not being able to play instance when you can't play. Yeah, surface. yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah. I think this is this is probably fine. Like it's 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 still going to be a good card. I think. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, but however, uh, one of the big ones that I had on the, the list is uh, Lion Sash, uh, and this card is nuts. Yeah. Um, this one, this yeah. one, I did see because people are texting yeah. me like, "Did you see this? Did you see this?" So I'm like, what? "Yeah." So Lion Sash is a artifact creature equipment cat. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an equipment and a creature. Uh, it has uh, one and a white. It's a reconfigure card. Uh, so it's one and a white uh, for a one one. Uh, you pay white uh, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Recoat creature gets plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on Lion Sash, and it has reconfigure two, which reconfigure is you basically you attach it to pay two, attach it to target creature you control, or unattach it from a creature. Uh, and while it's attached, it's not a creature. A uh, really, the biggest thing this is this is a um, this is a scavenging ooze mm-hmm. uh, in white mm-hmm. uh, that can be found with both Stoneforge Mystic and Recruiter of the Guard. Yes. Uh, this is an instant one of copy in Yorian Texas. Steel Shaper's gift. Oh wait, no, that's not. Well, yeah, about. yeah, but but no, this is an instant one of one of slotting right. in into the main deck of uh, Yorian Texas. Like absolutely, like this deals with Uro. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they play an Uro, you fetch this up and you put it into play, and you have an Uro. You can you can get their, na- na- nail their Uro. Um, you can put this into play with Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> you can put into play. Not only can you tutor it with, you can put it with Aether Vial, but you can also put it into play with Stoneforge Mystic. You can put it into play with either War of Invention or Court of Calling, whichever you choose. Just the fact that it's so flex, it's it has so many ways of tutoring for mm-hmm. it in D&T is really going to push this card. Oh, uh, oh, I think sure. it's, it's so good. I, I'm... I'm excited to see it because I think it's really neat. I mean, uh, you can either vile this into play or use Stoneforge Mystic to cheat it into play and remove some remove whatever they're targeting from their graveyard all mm-hmm. in one motion. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the keyword on its ability, its first ability, says a permanent and yeah, but it, that only, that's only if you if you want to get the plus one plus one counter. Well, sure, you, you, you can, can hit. Anything, you can hit but anything. No, I, I get that, but like more often, not like with scavenging use, you're targeting the creature or the spell that they're well, trying to get back or whatever, right? Okay, I I, I, I say this uh, because there's a very realistic thing about this is the fact that you can hit other things yeah. means that you can hit um, instants and sorceries in the graveyard that maybe want to be delved by like Murtag Regent. Sure. Uh, you can control their graveyard. Yeah, you can turn uh, off Delirium and, and block. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can turn off Delirium. Like, yeah. And that's block, uh, Dragon Raid Chain. But like, you can hit you can hit fetch lands, and those are permanent. Right. Well, I was thinking uh, uh, Mishra's Bobble and Loris decks. Yeah. 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 You can hit Mishra's Bobble. Yep. Let's turn turn that off. Like, there's so many uh, applications for this card. So I'm. Yep. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know what's hot uh, about these last three cards? Hmm. They're all rare. None of them are mythic. Uh, 
the next one I'm going to talk about is actually an uncommon. So, well, I'm just saying, like, that's crazy that, like, these cards that are obvious to guys that are playing quote-unquote FNM level magic, right? Like, wow, these cards are going to be great in decks that we play, or decks that I see people play, right? Like, we're already thinking of, like, application for them. And they're rares. They're not mythics. So it's not like, yeah. oh, i got to take out a loan to get these cards. You know? Right. It's awesome. I, and uh, you know this Neon Dynasty set is going to be open like they're looking for uh, golden tickets. Uh, it's just, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, so Reality Heist. Reality Heist. Okay. That, Ooh, that's, reality that's Heist. I'm not familiar with, so I'm going to pull that Okay, up. so Reality Heist is uh, five, five blue oh, blue. I've seen this, yeah. It's a... It's, it's an instant, costs one less for each artifact you control. You look at the top seven cards of your library, you may reveal up to two artifact cards from among them and put them in your hand, you put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is dig through time for artifacts. Yeah. This um, is affinity through time? Affinity through time, sure, yeah. Uh, I don't... I have a hard time feeling out where this card goes. Um, we've talked a little bit about, like mono blue painter lists in legacy uh maybe one or like the like eight cast slash painter lists that hybrids that exists um i also don't think this is as playable and vintage as some people i've seen suggest uh, like basically this goes in one deck in vintage oh yeah um, you, you yeah. up to two artifact cards so yeah that that's yeah it other... only gets artifacts yeah it only gets so artifacts so yeah, so like the only artifact centric deck that it's because yeah, it's vintage. Like there's artifacts in every deck practically because mm. of power and stuff. But honestly, like the only deck that really like pushes that is eight cast, uh, and that's in vintage, and that's the deck that plays thought monitor and thought cast. So I could see this as like an extra like one to two of in that deck to where you can play it on an end step grab. Maybe you grab some Moxen that you didn't want to draw out of your deck, you know, or you grab two Thought Monitors. That seems really good, uh, <laughs> you know, or maybe you just magically grab Key and Vault, right. you know, like, oh, hey, look, I grabbed both Key and Vault, like, sweet, you know, or I grab Vault and my Urza Saga is going to pop off next turn. Speaking of grabbing things, the flavor text on this is of the uh, the new Planeswalker uh, yeah, Kaito. Kaito. Yeah, Kaito grabbed the chip, yeah. hoping it held answer. So I assume that's the reality chip. Yes. That, uh, yeah. This is a this is a story spotlight yeah. card too. Um, yeah. I'm definitely putting this in my Ray ADH deck. Um, oh yeah, you definitely I, I, should. I'm yeah, sorry that should. that's probably about all I can think of where to put it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. Yeah, it should definitely go in your your Bray deck. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, Tameshi, uh, Reality Architect. Uh, this card's dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, two and a blue for a legendary Moonfolk Wizard. Uh, whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, uh, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Uh, you can pay X and a white, return a land you control to its owner's hand. Uh, to its owner's hand. Uh, return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to your battlefield. So the battlefield you activate only as a sorcery. Um, this, this card returns Urza Saga to your hand. Now, granted, you can't do it. You can just return, like, you can make a construct and then you could just return it to your hand. You can't do it in response to, the, like, the third chapter trigger. But it's still fine. Like, you could put it, you could put 
Urza Saga back in your hand and get back like a bobble from like the graveyard. Or and, like, or your Urza Saga just went off its last chapter. Just pay a white and put it back in the quiet. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you could do that so too. Dumb. Yeah, it is an enchant it is an enchantment. Yeah, this card's card's silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I this card definitely has to see play somewhere. I don't know where, but it has to see play somewhere, I'm sure. Um, like I don't know. It seems too good to um, to um to well, not see play yeah, somewhere. More non-creature opponents. Okay, so uh, basically, you uh, put you put a land back in your hand. You draw a card, and you get something back. The answer is uh, Brea. Maybe not. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe um, but maybe probably Brea. Maybe the paradoxical outcome decks. Maybe, yeah. Do you have Do you have um, a Nerza Saga cop in your Brea? Uh, I do not okay. yet. I feel like that's a card that should be in your brain. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, then, because then you like you really want this card in your brain. Yeah, and there's there's nothing in the deck at least at the moment that uh, brings artifacts back, or I mean uh, enchantments mm. back, I should say. Um, I mean this this is pretty much all you need. I wonder if the Brad Nelson Invitational card would also bring it back. Uh, trade trading uh, post. So uh, let's find out. Uh, return target artifact card. Okay, so no, that won't work. All right, so you had some cards to talk about too. Yeah. Um. Uh, so Joe Joe tasked me with uh, coming up with cards, and I'm like, oh, I've not really seen a whole lot of the set because work. So uh, a lot of mine. Fantastic mechanized. Yeah. So let me go ahead and bring that up. This is one of the first cards I saw when they were showing off the kind of like the signpost on commons. Uh, enthusiastic Mechanaut, uh, a, a blue and a red for a 2-2 flying oh, yeah. goblin artificer. So the artwork's kind of weird. It's got this goblin creature with these uh, crafted wings. It kind of looks funny. Uh, but artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. As we all know, blue and red are in Brea's colors. So I'm like, huh, I'll put this in my deck. Why not, right? Yeah, it's, it's just another uh, cost reducer for... Right. Artifact spells, which is always just gross to have. Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere. So, that one was... I love this I love this flavor text. Mm-hmm. The flavor text is, Greetings, fellow inventors! The Aki shouted, attempting a friendly smile. To her dismay, the greeting was met only with shrieks and alarms being activated. <laughs> That's great. Um, what, what was that um, uh, character's name from... Uh, uh, this is Watto from Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> thirst, thirst for knowledge, bro. Like thirst for knowledge, well, like yeah, I th- being reprinted. I think I saw it today. That's um, that's pretty good. Tezzeret art. Uh, yeah, Tezzeret. Yeah. So thirst for knowledge was originally printed. I believe it was Mirrodin. Yeah, Mirrodin for two and a blue, instant draw three cards and discard two cards from your hand, unless you discard an artifact card from your hand. And this set is full of artifacts, and we know more artifacts are coming. In future standard sets, so yeah, uh, anything that says uh, it is blue and draws three cards, uh, slam dunk playable. Plus, it's now pioneer legal. What? What? Yeah, Let's go! True. Like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and of course, as Joe kind of alluded to there, Tezrit is on the art for the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Uh, so we get Tezrit, Betrayer of Flesh. Like you gotta say it like a metal band, right? Um, the, the alt arts for this guy are just great. Oh yeah, um, the, this anime alt art version of him is just 
really sick. And we get a mono blue Tezzeret, right? He has a static ability. The first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. So hold on. Before we read further, let's read another card uh, that I often play in my Brea deck called Mycosynthlatus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mycosynthlatus is an artifact. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. That's all you have to need that, to Yeah. Say. So you have that in play, and all your other Tezzeret Planeswalkers are artifacts, or any of your other things are that cost artifacts. That cost two less to activate their loyalty. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just going to be a goofy there with that. But yeah, um, but really where it pairs up is with Brea herself, because her ability... Uh, the ability you choose, it doesn't matter which one, but they cost four to activate, or two yeah. with this, so you could begin your infinite loops faster. Uh, but Tezzeret's uh, abilities, uh, plus one, because he starts with four loyalty, uh, and he, two, when you see a Planeswalker has two and two blue and has four loyalty, it's probably going to be good. Uh, but plus one, draw two cards, and discard two cards, unless you discard... Um, checks notes. An artifact card. Huh, imagine that. Um, minus two, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it isn't a vehicle, it has base power and toughness 4-4. So, you could create, you could uh, make a vehicle an artifact creature without having to crew it with another creature. So, that's kind of dope. Uh, minus six, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact you control becomes tapped, which happens all the time. Draw yeah. a card. <laughs> Pair that with Unwinding Clock. Uh, all right, uh, your turn, draw cards. Your turn, draw cards. Your turn, draw cards. Sweet, my turn, draw a card for turn. And you have this, like, fan full of cards. Oh, yeah. man. Oh. Yeah, uh, this card looks pretty good. I don't know how good it is. It's obviously not good in formats that I play. Yeah, um, but, but... um, Yeah. So... Uh, of the of the people you know, uh, who who like Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, uh, there are two. Obviously, I am one. Can you name the other? Um, Bob. No, no but I wouldn't be surprised if he was called. He kind of looks like a Bob too. But no, you you work with him, and and, and ma- magic do? related. Yes, I do. Yeah, who? Saffron Olive. Oh well, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So sorry, I'm like, no, no, I'm no, like we work with pl- you. Say, slate. Yeah. Um. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. So we're like two of. Uh, if there was like a Tezzeret, uh Agent of Bolas, that specific card. If there was a Stan account for that card, we would probably be mods on that account. Um. Mm. And I'm like, dude, Tezzeraider and Pioneer. Like, with this card, plus Thirst for Knowledge, plus, like, some of the other things we've seen, it's like, can we make it happen? Because right now, Modern's too fast for a Tezzeret deck, to be brutally honest. As much as I love, like, making a bajillion Thopter tokens with uh, Sword of the Meat combo and minus uh, Tezzeret Agent of Bulls to, like, 20 of them or whatever, eh, we're not going to get there uh, in Modern anyway. But this, and... It's why when I asked earlier when we were going over that Naya deck, I'm like, is it possible that Watsy may be looking at quote-unquote archetypes and like, 
oh, we've tried and it's not working well in X format. Can we design cards similar to this or reprint some of these cards and put them in another format to see if that archetype could get new life? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. So, um, why did you have Hanada uh, Donkron on your list? That's interesting. All right. So, this one, I think, also was either revealed today or yesterday. Yeah, today, today, I think. Um, so, this card, Hanada uh, Donkron, one, blue, red, white. So, Jeskai colors. Legendary creature, Kieran Spirit, flying trample for a 4 4. Spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target. Spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast for each target. So this reminds me of uh, Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth. Yeah, a little a, bit. A little bit. Not exactly, but reminds me of that card enough, plus with the extra color, where in Commander, some oftentimes you don't see two-color decks unless they're doing something pretty busty. Uh, more often than not, just in general at tables, you're going to see decks that are three colors or goofy five-color decks or whatever, things that people enjoy playing. But three colors seems to be where people kind of hone in on. So adding that extra color to an Azorius deck, making it Jeskai, kind of opens up a whole bunch of options. Plus it's Spirit. We already had a Spirit's Commander deck uh, recently. So I, I can see... Something coming from this card, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's also um, a, a card that Evan Irwin is famous for, uh, Aurelius Fury, because it was supposed to be like hot dog awesome, right? Uh, this yeah. is from Gate Crash. Uh, this card uh, is X red white for an instant. Aurelius Fury, Aurelius Fury deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. Tap each creature... Wait, yeah, tap each creature dealt damage this way. Players dealt damage this way can't cast non-creature spells this turn. So you pair it with Hinata. You have three other targets. This costs three less. I mean, yeah. put your peanut butter uh, and your jelly together, as Evan would say, and boom, there you go. Somebody uh, said something about that. Uh, it's kind of funny that this makes Biforce uh, cost one red. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, people don't know Biforce is uh, X and a red for destroy uh, X target artifacts. Uh, so you just go, I target all of your stuff. It costs one red. Yeah. Like that's kind of, that is kind of silly, but uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, last one was Mech Hanger. Which was uh, still not on Scryfall, so <laughs> it's on. It's on. Um, it's page. On gold, it's on. It's on Goldfish. Yeah. So Mech Hanger, yeah. a uh, uncommon, uh, uncommon land, tapped add Wingding, so colorless mana, or tapped add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a pilot or vehicle spell, or the bet. The part about that made me like stop. Three tap. Target vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. Let's go. A land that cruise cruise vehicles. I think vehicles is going to probably be a deck. Plus, this Uh, artwork. For something. This artwork looks like I'm in a Star Destroyer, dude. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. It's sick. Yeah, yeah. I do like. so, So, overall. 
uh, aesthetic wise of this set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the overall aesthetic of this set. Uh, what I really like about it is that they've done a good job. One of the things that came up and when they were talking about the set had to do uh, largely about the use of enchantments and artifacts in the set. Uh, and what they did is that they basically made enchantments uh, represent uh, tradition, uh, the ancient Kamigawa traditions. Uh, and that's why you see all the sagas and all the stuff are enchantments. And anything that has to deal with enchantment is usually a more traditional uh, style. Uh, something uh, looks very traditional. Uh, whereas artifacts represent modernity and like the future uh, and like technology and stuff like that. So anything that's like an equipment or an artifact or something like that generally has something to do with uh, the future of some sort. So it's interesting uh, to see that aesthetic. Uh, I also would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the Phyrexianized Planeswalker in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that have not been paying attention to the story articles for this set, um, we got to kind of get the idea that, hey, you know, we've finally met the fact that the Wanderer is the, the Kamigawa Emperor. Uh, she's been gone this whole time. Uh, the reality chip is what is um, what Tezzeret and... Um, Jingataxius and Temeshi were working on to try and uh, do something to the Kami. They were trying, so that was why Tezzeret was there that night, and he tried to he tried to do something to Kyodai. And of course, like it didn't work. So, it, it, but it sparked the Emperor's spark. Her spark was unstable. The reality chip helps, uh, you know, anchor her to the plane. Right. Uh, so, but the big thing about this, uh, was said is that we've got, you know, not just, you know, Tezzeret banging around, we've got Kaito and we've got, uh, Tamio. And at the end of this storyline, um, Tamio is brought back to Phyrexia and is completed. Uh, and she has completely turned into a Phyrexian. Yep. Uh, and what we found out is, and this is, they address this, uh, in the story and kind of in like the, uh, on the side things, some of the, um, lore, lore people that deal with the lore from wizards side of things, um, basically said, yeah. Um, so the way that Phyrexianization works is that, um, if you're completed, uh, you typically don't have a soul, which is why they can't hold a spark, but, the reason that they were experimenting with the Kami on uh, Kamigawa is because they were looking for a way of merging that functionality to give us, give completion to something that had a soul. And Tamio is the first byproduct of that. Uh, so she is a, uh, a completed fl- uh, planeswalker. And the way that this is worded, we're going to see this again. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. This is, this is not the, not the first planeswalker that's going to get this treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to see more of them yeah. uh, because this mechanic is keyworded, essentially. Uh, so she's two green uh, Phyrexian hybrid uh, blue-green or and blue. So she's five mana value total. But she has this... Uh, I'm not going to go deep into her abilities or anything. I'm just going to talk about the completed thing. So completed basically says that uh, her, that particular part of the mana cost can be paid with green, blue, or two life, just like Phyrexian mana is. But if you pay life, the Planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty counters. 
Uh, she has, comes in at five, so if you pay two life for that, it'll come in at three. Yeah, you can either instead. pay four mana, two life, and have a three loyalty planeswalker, which you can immediately bump up to four, or uh, five mana. Pay, pay five. And then. To get the five loyalty, yeah. Bump yeah. Up to six, so. Yeah. So it's an interesting design choice, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, I like that it's only applicable to this. Uh, and I suspect that any future Planeswalkers we see get this tribute will probably have a similar thing where they'll probably just have one pip replaced with a Phyrexian mana like this, and I think that makes it more fair. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Because I, 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 I hate Phyrexian mana. Fair. I, I absolutely, absolutely hate the mechanic, but I think this is a good way of approaching the mechanic. I mean, uh, let, let's like, be real. Like, with how awful Simic was for years... Yeah, we're we're, we're, really we're kind of glad part. to see it like Frexianized. It's like, oh, yeah, you are the bad guy, Simic. I see you now. Um, I I would not be surprised to see more of these, though. Obviously, I think we're, we're setting ourselves up for a a a journey back to New Phyrexia. Who's who's uh, the next one? Point. Yeah, that's the good question. Like, but uh, I am. It's interesting. Uh, people really flipped their crap. Uh, they did. like Over this. Man, let me tell you, people were like, so upset. There, there were people upset like, oh, the fallen hero trope, blah. Like, you know. No, no, no uh, not oh, even no, that. Like, I know, like, but like, that that's kind of how some of it started, where people are just like, this is overdone. But there are people like, actually upset, and I'm like. Because they were just like, like it wait a minute. It wasn't going to last like, forever. Tamiyo was completed, like, and they're like, oh my god, like, that's, like, because there are people just like, wow, really like that character, like, crazy. Like, so, yeah. like, will, if something like that happened to, uh, uh, Good Dad Fairy, would I be upset? Sure, for a second. Like, after that, I'd be like, neat, you know, let, let's see what happens. Um. Yeah, I, I am, uh, really pleased with the the setup of this this storyline mm-hmm. for this set it was really good uh so i'm really really looking forward uh i kind of wonder if we're gonna see another praetor uh really soon uh i wonder if we're gonna see somebody on uh new capenna uh, uh i can see Urbrask on new capenna just because because uh, of goblins well um, that's weird because like we don't actually. I guess they're gonna have to eventually address what the status of Shieldred and Urbrask are, mm-hmm. because technically they're. Well, that's right. They're supposed to be dead, aren't they? Well, they're not dead. Like it's not. It's unconfirmed. Right. right. Uh, yeah. There's no confer- confirmation. It's it's their their territories were claimed by Elishnorn. Yeah, I uh, I don't think we see Elishnorn until either we go back to New Phyrexia. Oh, yeah, or yeah. the Phyrexians invade something. Like, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you see the, the leader come in and it's Elishnorn and whatever. Yeah, I think I think we get Elish, yeah, Elishnorn at, at that aspect. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. And then there'll, like, there'll be a, a new rarity beyond Mythic. And, no, no, I'm just kidding. I just, I just uh, yeah, I'm really, really pleased, mm-hmm. though, so far with, like, the, the story of this set. Okay. Uh, especially, like, um, there's this aspect of you know Kaito having to let go of the emperor and her having to uh, basically disappear again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's back out into the, the the multiverse, and he can't obviously find her because 
uh, you know, she's gone. You know, she's off in, you know, the multiverse, and he can't track her easily, so he's just got to go looking for her. But, uh, you know, they both know that uh, Tamiyo is gone. They don't know that she's completed, but they know that she's gone, and, of course, Kaito is resolved to find her as well. Right. Uh, because, you know, he he felt responsible for what happened to her and he felt responsible. And he actually was the one that delivered the news to her family that she was gone. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause Tamio is not just like this. Like that's what gets people. I think that's what got people. I think Tamio is not just like this planeswalker who just kind of goes off and does whatever she wants. She has a family right? and she has, you know, uh, you know, children and like, it's kind of addressing that scenario. What, what happens to your planeswalking parent when <laughs> something bad happens? And, you know, so Kaito is resolved to go save her mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future. I do like Kaito as a character. He's very uh, impulsive and kind of fun. Um, I also, um, they gave a card. Uh, so one of the, the uh, teasers off of Maro's teaser, like, you know, his teaser list right. was about uh, one of Tamio's children getting a card, which ended up being Nashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nashi in like, in like the story aspect of Nashi is like, he's kind of like this, like tech nerd, <laughs> which is kind of adorable. Uh, so, but, uh, somebody, I think, uh, I think it might've been Seth pointed out on Twitter that in a couple months, uh, standards going to be, uh, biker gangs, rat, rat <laughs> biker gangs for, versus mobsters. Right. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be super amusing but uh yeah that's all i got for uh comic and and dynasty so far there's still more to come in this set we're not done um there's there's a lot of cards in this set but i think i think Paseju is probably going to be just hands down the best card in the entire set and it's just probably not even close yeah like pre-orders for that card are pretty dumb Oh, I'm sure. Pretty dumb. I'm sure. Like, it's it's just, it looks like a really just, it just it looks like the most absurd uh, card in the entire set. And, and you know what? That's fine. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what it does. Uh, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So. Here, here, here's my thing. I, damn, I hate complaining, but here we go. No, don't, don't, don't even. Oh, don't, no, don't, no, no, don't, no. Don't, don't, don't. I. I don't want to hear people like we we get Neon Dynasty soon. It, it's what like a week two out, a week or two out, maybe probably not even that. Yeah, right. Because yeah. uh, I think uh, the door for mastery closes in a couple days. I already got mine com- complete ended uh, for uh, Crimson Vow Mastery. Um, what, what's Arena? I know, right. So <laughs> it's going to come out. People are so excited. Yeah, you get to play new cards. The cards are available on Arena. Let's go. If within less than two months, if people start complaining, people who play just Arena start complaining about any of these new cards, they need to stop playing Magic. Period. Someone actually needs to take their Magic card from them. Like th- this whole notion of like, yay, new card, turn around. This is busted. Fix it on alchemy. Like, within minutes of getting the card. You're causing the problem by solving it too damn fast. Just have fun. Like, or, or, or they could just not print these cards. I mean, I get that. 
like like I mean that's just kind of like the thing. Like that, I think that's, that's where that's going to take upset that's going to take feedbacks and having panels for formats and things like that. Hopefully, we get there as we've seen the progress with Popper. Yeah. But it's just yeah, it's it's they like I they 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 do have to st- at some point stop printing these cards right like that are like this like. And I I know I do I I think I think Basiji would have been benefited from being a higher cost right and that's probably the or, fix or, I could or, see or, in alchemy or if it didn't hit non basic lands mm. <laughs> if it hit just an artifact or enchantment I would probably be okay mm. with that at one one in a green but because you know naturalize is one in a green I mean green green uh, does have some lane destruction elements in its color I just I don't I don't I don't think it was necessary. To be on the card, but... it is odd to see a lane destruction, quote unquote, spell or effect uh, in standard in standard <laughs> so prevalent like that on um, a land. Yeah, especially because we do have Witherbloom Command still in standard. Um, yeah, but yeah, and you, yeah, it's it's. I, I don't. I know, just. I, 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 and and even then, for standard, like the other ones that mm-hmm. we didn't talk about, like the white one is probably really good, and the um. The black one is also reasonable as well. So, and those cards are going to be great in Commander. Oh yeah, uh, which again, that's probably what their their primary focus and design for outside of draft yeah, is I, Commander. And I, I get that too, but like, like oh 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 what? Can I say, say that there is one card that is just absolutely the best name card in the set. You want to know why? Um, I I don't know. Do you, do you are you familiar with the abandoned hope uh, uh complex of what card do you name to an effect that you don't care that your opponent that you don't name that you care don't care that you name that card because you're just trolling your opponent? Oh, you're at a point where you're so far ahead, you're telling your opponent, you know, yeah, so, you're not winning this matchup, so, that type of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So the card is you are already dead. Yeah, that is the name. That is the name of the card. You are already dead. Which is weird because it's a, a black instant at common. The story target creature that was dealt damage this turn and you draw a card. That's really good. And let's keep in mind that the, the, the Tims of Magic, uh, Tim and Tom, I should say, uh, Prodigal, Prodigal Sorcerer and Prodigal Pyromancer are both popper legal. So already. So yeah, you can kill giant... Five five zombie fishes. You know what? You know what else you can do them. with this card? You know what else you can do with this uh, card? Troll your opponent. You can name this card with um. No no no! You can name this card with demonic consultation and vintage, in response to your Thassa's Oracle trigger. <laughs> because then it's not in your deck. <laughs> so great. What, so wait, love it. you it, would it, cast him on a consultation? Yeah, because you were Scott, you cast it in response to your uh, um, Oracle trigger. You put Thassa's Oracle play, and you name and you play con- demonic consultation, naming something that's not in your deck, and then you exile your entire library. Oh, when, when you uh, put uh, Thassa's Oracle on stack, right? Yeah, when when you put the trigger, yeah, on put the, stack. the trigger on stack. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. okay got it. Trigger, so I ca- cast him on a consultation in response to an opponent playing. I'm like. That no, seems kind of dumb. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so you cast your cast your oracle, you cast a mana consultation, oh. and you name you are already dead. <laughs> Man, there, I'm just I'm scrolling again. These there's so many cards so... we haven't even touched. 
Uh, There's so much stuff in this set. And and here's the thing, why I said what I said a moment ago. I did not experience opening comic book boosters, exploring the world, getting to know the characters. The comic book sets were already rotated out of standard by the time I played my first FNM. I don't think many there's any characters ago. to worry about. Well, it, it's not that. It's just yeah. experiencing the set and, and all, like, all the things I did with Standard when I started playing Standard back in the day. Like, it would, even if I'm just screwing around on Arena, it would be nice to open a pack like, oh, that's neat. What does that do? You know, and, and just kind of explore the world at my own pace. But, you know, the, the rhetoric and the noise, I have a feeling is just going to be people trashing this within less than a month of it being released because of like a handful of cards. And I just really want to preemptively tell you all to please politely for the love of God, shut the fuck up. Like Scott, I'm just saying, you know, let, let's just enjoy magic for once before we start. We, We got a world back that wizards didn't want to do, but because there was enough community I don't want to say outcry. Uh, the support. There's enough community support for Kamigawa that they're like, yeah, let, let's take a, Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we we will do it. And boom, they do it. And let, let's not ruin it with, like, wanting shit banned right away. Let, let's just try and find a way to cast Invoke Despair or uh, maybe mess around with the new Goblin Welder called Scrap Welder, which is going straight in my Vraya deck, too. Or play a budget uh, saga deck, five-color saga deck with all these common sagas. Let's just do something and have fun. Fine. Can, can we do that for once? Just once. Scott, what's fun? I, 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 don't, I don't know anymore. I don't know, anymore. Fun. I, I, I don't know what fun is. I don't know what fun is. I want to uh, know what fun is. Wait, no, that's not how that God, goes. Please, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So we should probably we should probably start wrapping up. Uh, um, yeah, I think kind of, kind of short episode this week, but like yeah. there's not a whole lot really to talk about except like new cards and yeah, you know those are I, always fun. I, I had Vox Machina on the list, but we talked in the pre-show and Scott hasn't seen it yet. So yeah, um, um, I, I'm I, the overtime period has ended. So like when Fridays roll around, it's like huh, well, well I'm up. What do I want to do? Maybe I'll watch some TV. And I have Amazon Prime. So, uh, also, uh, for those signing up for streaming services, do yourself a favor. Do it a year for the, the sign up. You will save a ton of money. Uh, you know, sure, if you only have one streaming service, it feel like you're only saving a little bit of money. But if you sign up for like three or four streaming services and they have yearly payment options, do that. And you're like, oh, wow, I've I saved a ton of money by signing them all up the same month yearly. It, it yeah, it's a lifesaver. But yeah, I'll be watching yeah. this. Um, I also want to start watching season two of The Witcher. Um, remember, toss a coin to your Witcher. Um, yeah, I um, I can't get into that show honestly. Well, my uh, my I, wife put on blasphemy. I know, yeah. but it's just it's, it doesn't really do much for me. I and I don't really. Yeah. I get it. Well, she put it on like the other day when we were finally taking down Christmas decorations, and I'm like, "What's this?" She's like, "Oh, The Witcher." I keep hearing about it. Here, I'll have it on while I'm taking this stuff down. And we binged all of season one 
and she kept going. And I'm like, no, I, I have to pull away. I cannot lay here and watch another eight hours of television. Uh, I just, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I just, it doesn't really do much for me. So. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. But anyhow. Yeah, I, um, but yeah, definitely if, if you're out there and you have not, uh, gotten a chance to take a look at, uh, the legend of Vox Machina yet, uh, definitely check that show out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you're even remotely familiar with Critical Role, it will be good for you. If you're not familiar with Critical Role, it will still be good for you. So, uh, like, it's just a good show. Um, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. I'm excited for Scott to watch it so we can talk about it because, uh, I, I as we were talking, uh, before, uh, the show is kind of a game changer for D and D media in general, and I think it's gotta have some far-reaching uh effects on on D media uh down the line i i've only and... seen the, the trailer and like one person who themselves has, doesn't watch critical role uh, but reviews like D stuff uh, uh, i've seen a video of theirs where they reviewed it and i'm like Okay, yeah, like this thing seems legit, and uh, I mentioned to Joe in the pre-show, uh, which you could subscribe to. No, I'm just kidding. We're not that type of podcast. Um, <laughs> did um, Did you watch the um, you watched the Red Band trailer? I did not watch the Red Band trailer, but um, okay. I, I told Joe in the pre-show that what uh, this show will do for D and D probably will be what Commander has done for Magic. Yeah, and it's big. Yeah, it's big. Like yeah. I've not, I've not seen a full episode yet, and that's already my take. So yeah, it's there's a, there's so much to this. Like it's yeah, yeah. It, there I and like people are all already already uh, clamoring. When do we get to see like the other the other critical role um, campaign? Uh, not the campaign setting, but the other critical role uh, group. Uh, that exists because there's the Vox Machina, which is this group, but then there's the the Mighty Nine, which is the other group that they uh, created for Campaign Two and Campaign Three, and so our, people are already like, when do we get to see the animated versions of the Mighty Nine? Like, when do we get to see them? Like, you know, so they did such a good job with these characters, um, because they're all the characters. These people know these characters because they've been playing these, they've played these characters for forever, uh, in their D and D group. <laughs> with critical role that they that stepping into the these characters roles more officially it's it was pretty pretty easy for them well here's something else that uh, I didn't mention to you in the pre-show that um, that I, I should probably share here uh, with this show with the the cast of characters as far as not just uh, the actors were but I'm, like the characters and their classes as someone who really likes uh, sword and sorcery fantasy. I'm really interested to see how the druid character is portrayed in the show, because in my opinion, most sword and sorcery fantasy don't really portray the druid very well. It's usually like a very poor ho hum type of sage or magic using type class. Um, I, I kind of I kind of want to yeah, see what they do with it and see if it because yeah. if, if a show like this. Can get people interested in playing different character classes that maybe they they haven't thought of or that 
aren't frontal lobe when it comes to thinking of what type of character to play in a game like Dungeons & Dragons, then that's just going to be a, a boon for just gaming in general. Yeah, it, it's it's. I think it's huge. So I'm I'm excited to see more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, let's get wrapped up here. So uh, Scott, why don't we start by having you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Not in real life. We already had that problem and it didn't work out too well. Oh, I get to go first this week. Okay, sure. uh, you can find me at MTG Pack Coils on Twitter and Facebook. I uh, can also uh, find my articles at mtgpackfoils.com. I do have a new one coming soon. I've been kind of brainstorming and getting the outline of it uh, set up. Uh, I hope to work on it this weekend. Uh, did you put weather. two back? Huh? Did, did, did you put two? Did you put two back? Um, I I did, but I tried not to. But others were looking, so you know I, I yeah, had to. Yeah. But yeah, what? No, 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 no cheating. Right, what, weather permitting. Because uh, we do have that winter storm coming in, but yeah, hopefully I get to work on that this weekend. However, uh, as many of you know, listening to uh, this podcast and seeing our lovely faces on this audio-only podcast, uh, my co-host Joe writes uh, probably 11 billion words uh, a week on at least one of the two Eternal formats he covers. The other one, he just kind of throws out random words. Joe, where can people find your work? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at VorathXP. You can also find the articles every Tuesday and every Thursday uh, at uh, This Week in Legacy and and uh, Vintage 101 on MTG Goldfish. Mm-hmm. You can also find um, the cast at the Astrolab cast, the Astrolab podcast at gmail.com. And um, also, uh, I put up a new video uh, today. Uh, so uh, go check that out on my YouTube. You have a YouTube channel? Yeah, uh, youtube.com slash foldersxp. Uh, guess, guess where all, where all my stuff is. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, go check out that video. Uh, it's, uh, pretty fun. Uh, it's vintage. Uh, so that was, uh, pretty cool. Nice. Uh, to, to kind of do a vintage, uh, but, uh, I three, two to vintage league with, uh, vintage, uh, rug elementals. Uh, it's like one of my jams of vintage is playing risen reef. Uh, with uh, Young Pyromancer. Uh, but this deck also has like uh, like Endurance and like Fury in it as well. Endurance, uh, so... the dredge killer. God, Endurance is so good. I love it so much. <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, uh, it was a it was a cool cool league. Um, I probably could have pieced together a four one if I'd have had a, a better uh, game three in my last round. But mm-hmm. it was it was still a really good league. Uh, the only match that really felt completely out of it was I, I got like basically just slapped by uh, Hogak. Uh, so that deck just kind of has that kind of velocity to just slap you across the face and kill you really quickly. <laughs> so, but most of the most of the um, games I won were really good. Uh, I did get to uh, steal a Bolasa Citadel with Dakfaden. Nice. Uh, so that was all really, really slick thing that occurred in that league. Uh, <laughs> can, can we print yeah. Dak and Modern? Sure, go for it. I would love to see Dak and Modern. Okay. That would be, would be fantastic. Like Dak is so good. Speaking of seeing but, yeah. things, I know we're at the end of the show, but uh, again, for those uh, uh, watching on our audio only podcast, uh, behind Scott! Joe, we have a shot of him uh, evoking Force of Vigor 
against an opponent. Uh, looks like Urza Saga. Is that a Mox Opal or Soul Ring? Soul, Soul Ring. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I, d- I did this on their upkeep. Flawless victory. I, I, I On their upkeep, I, uh, I pitched uh, a card to Force of Vigor to hit their Urza Saga and their Soul Ring, and it was dirty. It was so dirty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, you, uh, it, you, it play, feels you play so, magic to feel things. It feels so good when you do it because they, you, it gives you the concept that you realize that uh, Urza Saga is not a really super extremely busted card in the format when you can hit it with Force of Vigor. <laughs> like, it's so good. You're just like, all right, well, Force of Vigor, your land and your, uh, your art, other artifact that you played out because why? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Basically, that's what it boils down to. Like, they they went turn one Urza Saga into Soul Ring, and I was like, cool, Planks for giving Force of Vigor to targets. Seems like, seems good. Yeah. So that was good. a that was a unique uh, unique game, and I uh, I had some games, some good games. I really did. It was it was a super fun league, league, and I can't complain about it at all. Like I yeah. I had so many games where it was just like did things it was that's i love playing there's a reason i do love playing blue in vintage and it is because uh blue games generally tend to be interesting uh and things generally tend to happen a lot in blue blue games Mm -hmm. when you're playing against other blue decks uh and there's just this cool aspect of counterplay that exists between those decks Mm -hmm. that makes it a lot of fun so cool keep putting up that content man yeah, uh, I'm gonna probably do a legacy video next again. I'm probably just gonna alternate, do like one vintage, like do a legacy the next time, do vintage then legacy, and just kind of do that. Uh, but I don't know what I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna play next for for legacy. So if anybody has any suggestions, uh, hit me up because I I don't know what I'm gonna play. It's probably not gonna be something tier, but it probably might end up being something with Paseju once Paseju comes out. Uh, or something different. Like I could probably record a league on Madness, but I don't know if I really want to record a league on that one. Um, I might pick something kind of stupid. Uh, there is this lands uh, Enchantress deck uh, that is out there, uh, and that is something I might uh, have to kind of like see if that's something I want to play uh, because it's kind of silly. So, I don't know if he's... Yeah, he did have a a finish with that. Yeah, so it's basically like an Argothian Enchantress Sithis deck, but it, it plays Valakut Exploration and Exploration. Hmm, weird. So that you can draw... So you can play, you know, multiple lands off when you have your Explorations in play and hit multiple things with your Valakut Explorations right. and just kill them, kill them with Valakut Exploration. That's basically what you're trying to do. You're basically just trying to kill your opponent with Valakut Exploration. Interesting. Uh, which you can do really really quickly in like one turn Mm -hmm. like you can set up like lethal damage in like a a turn because you're like oh i hit an exploration i'll cast it and draw a card oh look i drew another land play a land Mm -hmm. (laughs) get two more you get another card off of yeah so it gets it gets out of hand really quickly so that might be what we might end up playing okay we'll see so but anyways, uh, that brings us to the end of episode sixty. Woo-hoo! Episode sixty. We did it. Yeah, crazy, right? That's awesome. So, yeah, good, good for us. So, uh, but yeah, 
have a great night. Uh, we will see you guys next time, and uh, hopefully you guys uh, stay safe out there with this uh, winter weather, and uh, we will hopefully see you guys next week. Wait, you have a YouTube channel?